Rokotusa Kale and Mantigele de Boja Kale and Mambro Gadazo Bereketina Kalea, Le Grogodojo Bereketina Kelina Mamambo, Le Borokotusa Kalana Mamambre, Rakotombe Reketene Kelina Mamambo, Le Brodo Zobregedesa Kele de Baba, La Barra Katina Kele and Mosotia Labaha. Father, we give you praise and glory. Lift your hands and begin to bless him. Just bless him and thank him. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your holy written word this morning. And we thank you for this, another opportunity to be equipped, to grow, to be grounded and rooted in the love of God. Revelation knowledge is gifted everybody under the sound of my voice. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. But in St. Yokes are destroyed. Your people are built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus is glorified. So we rejoice that by the end of this service, all be the better for it. We give you praise and glory and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer sees a powerful amen. Amen. Glory! Are we excited this morning? Lift your right hands, let's release our feet together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God... It's my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Are we excited to fellowship together this morning? Can we celebrate our fellowship with a clap and a shout? Glory! Amen. Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self this morning. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of our social media community, brothers and sisters online. What an honor, what a joy, what a blessing to have all of you connected to this service. And we've been praying for you for this service, believing God that revelation knowledge will grow big in your heart. So we'd like you to do me the favor you've always done. Let's get this word to the ends of the earth. I'd like you to, you know, share the videos, tag some people. Make sure you like the videos and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Abel Damina Ministries International. And also make sure you, you know, like the videos on YouTube and engage in the course of the service. Let's get this word to the ends of the earth. What an honor and a joy to fellowship together today. Can I have a powerful amen? We also want to welcome the radio audience. Wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice around the world. We're so glad to have you connected to our service this morning, guys. Get ready. The word is going to come with clarity. I'd like you to invite a friend, a family member, somebody you love. Ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. We also want to welcome all the citizens in our campuses around the world. What a joy to fellowship with all of you citizens of God. Saints of the Most High, and it's just a joy to welcome all of you, all right? Let's get in the word this morning. We are still examining understanding the call of God. Understanding the call of God. It's been a series we've been dealing with in the course of the week, in the course of our Christianity conference. How many of you have enjoyed the conference so far? Praise God. What a blessing. Now, before I get into teaching, my two books are out, and I'll encourage you to get copies of it. The first one is The Move of God, Treasure in Eating Vessels. You want to you want to jump on this book immediately and just begin to chew. And then there's this, The Ministry of the Word and the Work of Ministry. This is material for people who are very serious about doing ministry. The Ministry of the Word and the Work 
of ministry. I've prayed over the books already. You can order for them. Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com for ordering for the books. And also, the campuses will have copies in Lagos and in Abuja and, you know, all over the world. So make sure you grab yours, begin to chew on it. Before we get to where we're going to use them for Sunday school. Amen. All right. The call, understanding the call of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. <clears throat> Ephesians 1 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He began by saying in verse 16, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And I began to share with you as a, in the course of the week that there is a call of God upon every one of you. And as a ministry, we have a mandate of God on us to get this gospel to the ends of the earth. And as this year began, God spoke to me about evangelism, discipleship, and building of strong local churches. And we've been focused on that through the course of the year. And we're going to get much more into a lot of that in the course of this year. We're involved in evangelism and we're not joking about it. Raising of disciples, equipping men to fulfill the mandate of God. Now, we also, within the course of the week, began to say, if you are a pastor of a house church, you are a district pastor, or you are a campus pastor, or you oversee disciples, two, three, four, five disciples, you will not be doing justice to your ministry if you are not giving to prayer. Prayer is the power for ministry. Prayer is the power for ministry. You have no ministry if you have no prayer life. Prayer is the power for ministry. If you desire to teach the word of God and you're not giving to prayer, you are a pretender. If you desire to teach the word of God to people and you don't have a life of prayer, you're a hypocrite. Prayer is the power for ministry. If you want to do ministry effectively, you must be given to a life of prayer. Jesus spent time praying. What was he praying about? He was not asking for bread. He was not asking for clothes. He was not asking for things. What was he praying about? He is God who became a man. Why will he be praying? He is our model, is our example. That if you're going to succeed in ministry and serving the purpose of God for your life, you must be given to prayer. He prayed all night. He prayed early hours in the morning. Sometimes when the crowd gather around him, he will pull back and go into a desert place to pray. You call, you call yourself somebody who wants to preach the gospel, but you dodge prayer. You're just a pretender. Prayer, it's the power that makes ministry effective. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man make a tremendous power available that is dynamic in its workings. So if you don't have a life of prayer, you don't have a ministry. Because the power that backs the things we say are birthed in the place of prayer. And we began to say the reason why Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus and the reason why you pray at all is because it's beyond you. You don't have the answers to it. You don't have the ability. So when something is beyond you, you pray about it. He said, I cease not to pray for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And brother Paul will say to the church in Galatia, my little children of whom I travel again. So a coordinator 
a man that raises disciples, a house church pastor, a district pastor, must be sold out to a life of prayer. In fact, the first requirement for you to be a pastor in this ministry is that you are in love with prayer. If you are allergic to prayer, please don't talk about ministry. Because you cannot do ministry without prayer. Prayer is the power for ministry. Prayer builds in you capacity. It builds resilience. It builds in you boldness. It builds in you confidence. And prayer also generates the power that brings conviction. So we began to say that until you are given to a life of prayer, it will be difficult to have revelation knowledge. Because revelation knowledge doesn't come by preaching, it comes by prayer. And until there is revelation, there can be no conviction. There can be no genuine conviction. And when people are not convicted, it will be difficult to get them to serve the purpose of God. But there can be no conviction until there is revelation. And revelation is a function of prayer. That's why Paul said, I cease not to pray, meaning I pray for you always. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, may grant you access into the wisdom and revelation of the Spirit. The eyes of your understanding, which means it's supernatural. Ministry is supernatural. And I said in the course of the week, prayer is the power that transforms people. You don't transform people by talk. You don't transform people by teaching. You transform people by prayer. Prayer is that power that makes transformation possible. In the book of Colossians chapter 4, talking about the man Epaphras. Colossians chapter 4, give me verse 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Next verse. Without praying also for us, that God will open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Verse 4. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. It will take prayer to have a door of utterance and to speak what you ought to speak. It will take prayer to make that happen. Give me the next verse. Verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without redeeming the time. Now move up to verse number 19 of the same Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 verse 9. Verse, 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 sorry. Colossians chapter 4. Give me verse 11. Colossians chapter 4 verse 11 because of time. And Jesus, who, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Next verse. Brother Paul is acknowledging them. Then in verse 12, Epaphras. Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. You can't just be raising a disciple and be giving the disciple too much grammar. You can't be raising a disciple. You can't be pastoring a house church. You can't be overseeing a district and be using strategy. Always, the strategy is prayer. There's no other strategy. There are no five keys and ten steps. We are talking about supernatural operations. It doesn't come by calculation. Let's do it like this. If we do it like this, the people will cooperate, whether they like it or not. No. Always 
laboring fervently for you in prayers. Why? That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Always. Epaphras. So, the labor is not only in word and doctrine. There is labor in prayer. There is labor in prayer. Prayer is a ministry. It's part of the ministry. There is labor in prayer. Laboring for you. That's why you cannot afford to be missing prayer crews. You cannot afford to be dodging daily prayers. And then you say, I want to do ministry. You are a joke. I cease not to, to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Jesus looked at one of his disciples by the name of Simon. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. That your faith fail not. And when you are restored, because you will be restored, since I have prayed for you, strengthen your brethren. He didn't say to him, well, I see Satan is trying to come, but because I have seen him, he will not do it. No. Even though I saw a revelation, but that's not enough. I have prayed for you. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit for all saints. For all saints. In the Old Testament, the priest will come, you know, with a regalia and on the chest of the priest was the 12 tribes of Israel. That means he carried the 12 tribes of Israel in his heart. It was his, the job of the priest to pray for them always. Always a priest. That's why he wore them like a cloth because that was his lifestyle. Praying. So a pastor, a coordinator, a leader, a discipler must be given to a life of continuous prayer. And prayer is labor. Meaning it will not be sweet all the time. There are times you will not feel like this because nobody is always excited about labor. Always laboring. You must be deliberate. You must be intentional. And you must be sacrificial. And prayer, when it begins to work, you begin to enjoy the benefits. But when you are doing the work of prayer, there's no enjoyment. Sometimes you enjoy it. Sometimes you don't. But you pray anyhow. You pray always. Why do you pray anyhow? Because it's not based on how you feel. It's because you know that prayer is the will of God. Prayer is God's will in building a strong local church, in building a people of power, in raising a generation of men that the devil cannot defeat. If you are with me, shout a powerful amen. So it says, I cease not to pray for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you wisdom and revelation of the spirit so we began to look at the call of god we said the word calling is from the word kaleo k-a-l-e-o taken from the word klesis k-l-e-s-i-s where we have the word ecclesia we said the word calling has three functions three functions number one we call out to you via preaching when we preach, we are calling out to you. And we said in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it's a scripture that talks about creation, God's creation. Okay, And uh, we began to look at verse 2. It says, the earth was without form void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. 
which means the earth was without purpose, the earth was without function, and the earth was in a state of disorder. So what we're saying is until salvation, until you answer the call to salvation, your life is without purpose, your life is in a state of disorder. Salvation brings order to a man's life. And the call of God is answered when we call out to you by preaching and you heed the call, you answer that call, we now call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So number one, we call out to you preaching. Number two, we call you out of darkness. That's salvation. Number three, we give you a name. We give you a name. Remember, it says darkness was upon the face of the waters and the Spirit of God moved. It means the Spirit of God moved in the midst of chaos. He says in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. The Hebrew says, God said, light be light was. Well, the light cannot be sun, moon, stars. Because the sun, moon, and stars came later in that chapter. It cannot be electric power. It cannot be candlelight. The light has to be God's divine light. God's divine light. And it's interesting to know that the first thing God brings into disorder is light. The first thing God brings into disorder is light. The first thing you will always need is light, enlightenment, the eyes of your understanding, revelation. And the preaching of the gospel is light. John chapter 8 verse 12. Look at what Jesus says about the preaching of the gospel. John 8 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Shall have the light of life. There was a woman caught in the very act of adultery, and she was brought to Jesus. And Jesus said, Woman, where are thine accusers? After the people, of course, were confronted by Jesus. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And all of them left. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said to the woman, Woman, where are thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, No, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. You go and sin no more. Then he now says to her, Well, to sin no more means I am the light of the world. He that followeth me. You cannot sin no more by yourself. If you could sin no more by yourself, you wouldn't need me. So you will need to follow me so you can have the light of life. Now, Go and sin no more. You know, many times we identify sin as a moral failure. But sin is not just limited to a moral failure. In Romans chapter 14 verse 23, look at what brother Paul says about sin. Romans 14 23. <clears throat> and he that doubted is damned if he eat. Because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith. So if you put on a cloth, but you're not happy about the cloth, you don't believe in the cloth, as long as you're wearing the cloth, you're sinning. See that? You're sinning. If you're involved in something you don't like, you're just doing it because you want to do it, you're sinning. Because it's not of faith. Whatever is not of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11, Brother Paul talking about food here. 1 Corinthians 8, 11. 
And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Verse 12. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. That is eating meat sacrificed to idols. So, you can eat food and by eating food you can sin. By eating food, you can sin. Especially when you eat and you're not considering a brother. So sin is not always a moral failure. Brother James says, if you know to do that which is good and do it not, to you it's a sin. You came to church, a brother is standing by, you know you should greet him and you just ignored him and passed. Because the last time you saw him, the way he was dancing during praise worship, he was dancing as if he's too much. So you want to reduce him from being too much. You just ignore him and pass. You've just sinned. You have just sinned in that service. Or a sister is looking at you and expect you to say hello and you just look at her and be like you didn't see her and you move your head. You just sinned. I'm teaching good here. So some of you think I didn't steal and a righteous person. There are hidden sins going on around you that you yourself don't even know you're sinning. So that already retires confession of sin. Because many you commit without knowing. So how do you confess it? And if you have to confess to be forgiven, it means you will never be forgiven because there are many that will not be confessed. I'm teaching good here. So that's why when we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, automatically cleanses us from all sins. Whether we confess or not, it is his responsibility to keep us clean. I'm teaching good here. So sin is not just moral failure. It affects every area of our lives. How many of you know fear is sin? Fear. Fear is sin. How many of you know anxiety is sin? Oh, will it really work? I don't know. Will they admit me? Will they not? Will I get a job? Will I? That anxiety, you're sinning while being anxious. Because the Bible says be anxious for nothing. To doubt salvation is a sin. Am I really saved or not? Will I make it? Will I not make it? My prayer is that we make heaven at last. You're sinning. Just talking like that, you're in sin because you don't believe in what Christ has done. To dishonor believers is a sin. To treat believers like nothing. To treat people without respect and honor is a sin. To be selfish is a sin. So I can go on. The list is endless. To be selfish is a sin. To be envious of people is a sin. To be envious. To give people an evil eye. Evil eye is a sin. You didn't say anything. It doesn't eye like this. Women know how to do it very well. That's a sin. Murmuring is a sin. You know murmuring? I know some people, their name is Momo. Momo. I didn't say anything. So when he says, go and sin no more, he was not saying, go and commit adultery no more. Of course, he doesn't want her to commit adultery. But the real point was, who brought her to Jesus? The Pharisees. You know, there are only two people that Jesus told to go and sin no more. That woman and the guy by the pool of Bethesda. Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So which means the sin there is she didn't follow him. She didn't follow Jesus. That's why the next thing he says to her is, I am the light of the world. He that followeth 
That's the cure to sin. Follow me, which means believe in me. Believe in me. I am the light of the world. How many of you know that sin means to misstep? Is the word hamatia in the Greek. To miss the mark. So sin in that context means he wasn't following Jesus. I am the light of the world. It's the same thing as I am the savior of the world. So salvation is light. Salvation is light. When God says, let there be light, he is the light. He is the light. Psalm 27 verse 1. Put it up. Psalms chapter 27 verse number 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So light is salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So brother Paul uses the same text because he's teaching from the Old Testament. He will say, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Put it up, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 6. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Next verse. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Next verse. But God... Next verse. But God... Next verse. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. So you are Paul saying, light is equal to preaching. Light is equal to preaching. When we are preaching, we are introducing light into the darkness of men's hearts. So when we preach, we are calling out. And so when someone comes to anyone and talks about Jesus, he is calling the person out of darkness. The book of First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 9. Pay attention. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you out of darkness. So there's a call, and that call is out of darkness. No wonder Paul will say, all saints called saints. So salvation or the preaching of the gospel is the call of God. Salvation or the preaching of the gospel is God's call on a man. Then we said the second one is you are called out of darkness. God called the light out of darkness. You are called out of darkness. You are called out of the world. You came out of the world. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Verse 12, 13 and 14. Giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. 
delivered us from darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So we are called out of, into. Out of, into. Now the third one is, we are now called, or what we are now called. God calls light. The first thing he does was, light be, light was. Then he separated the light from the darkness. That is salvation. He separated the light from the darkness. Out of darkness into light. A separation. That is salvation in Genesis chapter 1 verse 4. Then he called the light day. He called the light a name. Day. He gave the light a purpose. So a name is the definition of purpose. He gave the, the light a definition of purpose. And you know, I told you that that word is quara, which means to give it a purpose. Quara in the Hebrew. Q-A-R-A. Quara. So at salvation, purpose came into your life. At salvation, purpose came into your life. I'm teaching good this morning. At salvation, purpose, direction came into your life. Order came into your life. Salvation opens your eyes to why you were created. Why you were created in the image of God after his likeness. Let us make man, mankind, so the entire mankind, whether he is a Muslim, a traditional worshiper, a Buddhist, uh, an atheist. Jehovah Witness. Huh? Whoever he is in the earth is made to function in God's image and likeness. All of mankind. So what salvation does is he saves you from yourself into God where your purpose is discovered. He saves you from yourself into God where your purpose is discovered. In Genesis 1.27, male and female, Genesis 1.27, put it up for me. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. So it has nothing to do with your gender. It has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with where you are born. If you are found in the earth, you are found in humanity. The real reason why you were created is to be in his image after his likeness. I have said that we all have a corporate function. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Corporate function, corporate calling, corporate identity, and corporate purpose. If you were not in the first service, get the material to help you out. So in our image, after our likeness, is what you are called to do. And we said, you see, we all have the same calling. We saw that that calling is in the family. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Family. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's not natural family. 
Because if it was natural, it would not be Isaac, it would be Ishmael. It would not be Jacob, it would be Esau. It would not be Joseph, it would be Reuben. Because those are the firstborns. But because it's not natural, it's grace. So it is Isaac, not Ishmael. It is Jacob, not Esau. It is Joseph, not Reuben. It is Abel, not Cain. It's a story of God's grace. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. It's not natural family. Otherwise Esau will have been the one called. It's not natural family. Otherwise Reuben will have been the one called. The calling is for everyone to be loyal to God by faith. And believe in him. Once you believe the gospel, you receive that calling. Because now you are a recipient of the grace of God. You are a recipient of the grace of God. So whatever God called Abraham for, Isaac was called to. Whatever he called Isaac for, Jacob was called to do. Whatever he called Joseph, Jacob to do, Joseph was called to do. Especially when he took him out of Egypt and he called everybody together. Look at Exodus 4.22. Pay attention. Exodus chapter 4 verse 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Israel is my son. Israel is a nation. God sees the whole nation together as one song. Corporate calling, corporate identity, corporate assignment. Israel is my son. Even my firstborn. It's in the family. It's in the family. So the calling is the purpose. And in the other services, we have examined the word inheritance. Inheritance is to have a part in God's plan. And what God called Abraham for was that inheritance. That inheritance is not a piece of property. You don't need revelation to see a piece of property. You just need to go and see it. But God gave Abraham a revelation of that land which Abraham never saw. Gave Isaac the same revelation. Isaac never but saw it in a vision. Jacob saw that land but never entered. And today we are in that land. Is a spiritual land. Because for God to consistently be showing Abraham that land by vision, it means it was a piece of property. And we have said the reason why it's a property is because humans are in it. Humans dwell in the land. So it was God's doing in the earth. Now when you got born again, John 3, 3, into what we call the kingdom of God, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see what God is doing on the earth. Except a man be born again, he cannot see what God is doing on the earth. John 3, 5. Except a man be born of water, which is the spirit, he cannot enter into what God is doing in the earth. So you are born again to see it and you are born again to be a part of it. You are called before you are born. 
When you are born, the call begins to follow you. But when you are born again, you see the plan and you begin to walk in that plan. When you are born again, you see the plan and you begin to walk in that plan. You don't know who you are by knowing your temperament. Sanguine, melancholy, introvert, all of that. All of that is not for the man in Christ. The man in Christ is not a sanguine. He's a new creation. He's a man that cannot be known after the flesh. He's a man of the spirit. You must find yourself in God's image and likeness. So whatever you're called to do will be in his image and likeness. And we said it has to be supernatural. Now, this doesn't take away your natural talent. The call of God, hey, 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 look at me citizens. This doesn't take away your natural talents. And in no way does the call of God replace your natural talents. It doesn't replace it. It doesn't take it away. And the call of God does not make your natural talents to cease to exist. I need you to pay attention because a lot of people are confused in this area. Which means you can have what you want to do in the natural. Even Jesus had something he wanted to do in the natural outside ministry. Carpentry. And he was trained a carpenter. And he manufactured furniture for people. Jesus was a practiced carpenter. He didn't have carpentry as an ambition. It's an ambition he carried out. That's why everybody knew him as the carpenter. Because his father was a carpenter and he was an apprentice under his father. Because Jesus didn't go to school. He didn't go to school. His school was a carpentry workshop. He went to skill acquisition school what we call vocational institute under his father to be an apprentice. I'm teaching here. He was a carpenter. Even though he came to die, he still had a career. That's when people say, me, God has called me to be a pastor. I will not do any other thing. Who are you copying? Who deceive you? Who do you? Jesus, who is God, came to earth to save man, yet he was a carpenter. He had a profession. You say, no, no, I will not go to school. I will not learn anything. My own is the preaching of the gospel. You think me, I don't have another thing I'm doing, only Bible. You are deceived though. If you see me negotiating for business, you will not know that I know Bible. Huh. If you see me negotiating like this, if you see me bidding like this, if you see me engaging to, to, to buy something, Especially ministry things. If you see how hard I negotiate. I negotiate very well. You see this is my sharp mouth. It's not for Bible alone. It's for business also. I went to school. I didn't go to school to read theology. I read the things you read in school. I read the things you read. I didn't go to read Bible only. Bible reading was one of the things I read. But I read other things. I'm teaching good here. 
say, the, the call of God is strong on my life. I will leave, leave university and enter ministry. If I slap you, if I slap you, that calling will push you back to university. That university is your first place for ministry. As you are reading and studying, there are souls in your school. Start ministry with them and graduate. Graduating from school is part of preparation for ministry. And preparation time is not wasted. I'm teaching good. You go to school. Go and finish your school. Graduate well. Get the degree and bring it. You may not use it, but bring it. Let it be there. A day will come when it will be useful. A day will come when somebody will insult you. You will tell him, ah, you think I didn't go to school? Let me show you my degree. I went to school, but I count all these things as dung for the excellency of Christ. But at least it is there to be counted. Say, I'm your father. You must hear me very well. It is there to be counted. Go to school. Go to school. School is not wasted. School is preparation. School will give you relationships. It will give you an opportunity to practice and it will sharpen your mind and it will expose you intellectually. So that when you graduate and you engage intellectuals in the gospel, you know what you are saying. I'm teaching good here. You know, a minister of the gospel preaches to all classes of people. You preach to governors. You preach to lawyers. You preach to doctors. You preach to janitors. You preach to, you know, um, ambassadors. You preach to presidents. You preach to different categories of people. Policemen. Military men. You, you preach to professors. You preach to doctors. So you need to be equipped so that you can engage at that level. You can engage. You need mental development. You need mental development. Mental equipping. So you can reason at that level. That's why Jesus at the age of 12 had to be training himself. He was engaging doctors. He would sit among them, asking them questions and engaging them. It was mental development. Some of you, the only people you talk to are people you are better than. You don't like talking to people that are better than you. You are afraid that they will expose the myopic nature of your mandula oblongata. So you don't want to engage. You need to engage stronger minds. You need to engage superior arguments. Because it's by that engagement that you grow. I'm teaching good. You don't need everybody that will tell you, well done, well done, you are great, you are great, you are great, you are great where? Meanwhile, your greatness is just within a small confine. When you are exposed to the bigger world, you are nothing. You need to grow. Because we are talking ministry here. You need to be equipped. Go to school. Finish your school. And if you have another opportunity, do another one. While you're doing it, be doing ministry. You're equipping yourself. My two PhDs, I got them while I was pastoring you. I was pastoring you and I was reading. I was pastoring you and I was reading. I was doing all that I need to do to, to finish my school. To finish my master's. Finish my first PhD. Finish my second PhD. While I was pastoring you. I didn't just sit there idly. I'm saying God has called me. I am anointed. The glory of God is upon me. You touch me by accident. You die by mistake. No, no. I was reading. Am I communicating at all? So if you gather all, if you come to United Nations to preach, uh -uh, that would be the cheapest thing. I will not even do study. I will just speak in tongues and enter there. I'll just speak in tongues and enter there. And lay before them a framework of the defense of the gospel. And engage them at the level they are thinking. And take care of their sinful nature. It's as easy as that. 
I'm not afraid of any audience. One of why you're afraid when we say pray, you're afraid to pray because you don't trust your utterance. When you trust your utterance, you are not afraid to display your credentials. In fact, when you trust your utterance, you'll be saying, call me, please, call me, call me. Call me, I want to pray, I want to pray, call me. Because you know what you're going to say. But when you don't know what you're going to say, you just be dodging. When they want to call somebody, you do like this. When they finish, you stand up. When they want to call, you do like this. Because you're not sure. Confidence comes by knowledge. See, I hear you. Touch your neighbor, say, grow up, grow up, grow up. Learn, 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 learn. But how many of you have discovered your mind has improved seriously since you came to Power City? How many of you have discovered that even the way you look at things, your worldview has changed? How many of you have? Because that's what the gospel does. The gospel enlightens. The gospel is illumination. It's light. I'm teaching good. You better stay because I must finish this message. Message must finish today. See, I hear you. Are you ready? Because we must finish it. We must finish it. Praise God. Jesus was a carpenter. The disciples were fishermen. Were they not? Paul was a tent maker. What is that? Career. Is that their calling? That's their career. So they all had their natural talents. They had their skills. But it was not their calling. What do you do in the natural? What do you do in the natural? That's not your supernatural calling. That's not the call of God for you. That's your choice. That's your career. That's your desire. That's your ambition. And everything has order. The call of God is supernatural. It's not natural. If everything you have today is is an engineer, a doctor, a teacher, a plumber, you are in a state called Tohua Bohua. Tohua Bohua. Disorder. Because the call of God for you that predated and was behind the reason for your creation was not doctor, was not engineer, was not lawyer, was not carpenter. The call of God that was the reason why you were created was to preach the gospel and be part of God's plan in building a home for God on the earth. Doctor, engineer, all of that, you only discover them as an ambition since you are in a planet that requires such services. So you want to be useful in this planet. So you went to a school that will equip you to contribute to this planet so that you can also be rewarded financially for your contribution. But beyond that is the preaching of the gospel, which is the call of God for your life. And that one is not natural, it's supernatural. 